Good morning. Glad to see you here today. We are in a message series we're calling, uh, we've called Built to Last. And we're taking six weeks to look at how God made people to live forever. And the Bible says we live uh, based on the choice we make related to Jesus Christ and heaven or hell uh, for the rest of eternity. Uh, I'd like to share the lyrics from a couple of songs I heard on my country station yesterday on Pandora. Um, And I don't know, it's a little scary because I don't know if Pandora knows what the subjects I've been talking about are on Sunday mornings. I'm pretty sure maybe there's some kind of metric or whatever you call algorithm that that pulls it out of there. But uh, anyway, here's here's some lyrics from Kenny Chesney. Everybody want to go to heaven. It beats the other place. There's no doubt. Everybody want to go to heaven, but nobody want to go now. Very low view of heaven. Nobody want to go now. We have a very low view or understanding of what heaven's going to be. Here's another one, Justin Moore. If heaven wasn't so far away, I'd pack up the kids and go for the day. Okay? I, I, that'd be great. I'd go too, but I... I I think if we went for the day, we'd want to stay. He goes on, talks about how uh, he introduces kids to his grandpa and things like that. And we we have that, that kind of thing to look forward to in the next life. So what we're doing in this series is trying to gain an accurate picture of what heaven's going to be. What What can we expect? And so we've looked at several different things that we can expect in heaven. And and today, we're going to look at the implications of heaven and eternity for our life's purpose, for our mission in life. For a Christ follower, the hope of heaven provides major direction and purpose for life. People have a drive toward accomplishment. This is built into us. Some people, it's hard to find in there somewhere. But uh, today, two teams, Super Bowl Sunday, two teams are going to meet on a field in Houston, Super Bowl 51, to win a trophy and a ring. This is the trophy that they'll win. Uh, Many of these men, they've dedicated their lives to make this happen. So most of their life, they've worked toward Winning that trophy right there, that's an accomplishment. That represents, it's a symbol of their accomplishment. Who who knows who won last year's game? I had to look it up. It was the Denver Broncos. And here's, here's the ring they got for winning last year. Depending on your field of endeavor, you may uh, have an accomplishment that you admire, admire or work toward yourself. A chef would work toward a Michelin star. Here's what the different stars represent. One star, two star, three stars. Um, guy uh, works his entire life for this, this accomplishment. Um, here's some stats on Michelin stars in New York City. Out of about 40,000 restaurants in New York City, 0.18% receive stars. And there's a breakdown for you on the screen. A businessman may aim to become a CEO and may, may want to be on the cover of this magazine. In the realm of education, 
You may strive for a degree from a prestigious university. Here's a diploma from Harvard. Whatever it is in your field, there may be something that drives you toward accomplishment. You want to make a name. That's that's kind of built into who we are. That's a part of our makeup. And and all of these can be helpful pursuits for a range of reason, reasons, but mainly because they make you help you make progress in life in your field of endeavor. Yet the hope of heaven means that we can serve a purpose here on earth with eternal dimensions. It just it just blows open wide our perspective on the here and now in the day-to-day life that we live. We have an opportunity to affect the eternal destiny of the people around us. Today what we'll find is the promise of heaven brings life's purpose into focus. Revelation's last book in the Bible, and through the Apostle John, we get a glimpse of heaven. John's the only one of the original 12 disciples that wasn't martyred for his faith in Christ. And it's not that they didn't try. Uh, They tried several times. But they ended up, at the end of his life, exiling him to an island of Patmos in the Aegean Sea off the coast of Ephesus, which is modern-day Turkey. And on the island there, God gives John a series of visions that describe heaven that show him what heaven's going to be like. So God lifts the curtain of heaven, and he, he lets us see in through these visions. And the interesting thing is, in many of these scenes that you see in heaven, there's a lamb who's the center of focus in the scenes. Revelation 5, the opening vision of heaven, is a worship scene where myriads and myriads, a countless number, And thousands upon thousands are saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Another vision in Revelation 7 has a great multitude crying out with a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. As John surveys the scene in Revelation 14, he walks into this scene or this scene is shown to him. And his gaze, his attention goes to the lamb. Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb. In the Gospel, John wrote, same John, he quotes the prophet John the Baptist when Jesus was walking toward him at the very beginning of John the Baptist's ministry, or maybe in the middle, but at the beginning before Jesus was about to start his ministry. And he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So this this shows us the identity of the lamb that's being worshipped in heaven. It's Jesus because he's taken away the sins of the world. This is why he came. This was his mission in life. The Jewish folks who heard the phrase lamb of God when John the Baptist stated it, would, would make an immediate connection to the lambs who were sacrificed to the Lord to atone for their sin. This was a sacrificial system that God set up in the Old Testament. And it was really not the end goal, but it was a picture of the sacrifice of Jesus who once for all 
would take away the sins of the world. So we're reading the end of the story in Revelation. We're, we're getting a picture of the end, and it's celebrating the Lamb because the Bible is telling a story of death and life. Death entered our world through sin. In fact, two kinds of death, spiritual death, which is a separation from God, and physical death, which we, we die, and then it's traumatic. We're not quite certain about that whole thing, how we feel about it. And it's, it brings, we live in the fear of that. We live in the fear of death. We're gripped by it in this life. Sin is what brought death into the world. It's a condition of the heart that results in wrong behavior, but it's really bigger than the wrong we do. It's a decision that we've all made to rule our own life and reject God as the rightful ruler that he is of our lives and our world. He allows this choice to be made. He allows us to choose whether or not to accept him into our lives as, as the boss, as the ruler. The sin of the first man and woman brought evil and heartache into the world. And to remedy the situation, God and Jesus Christ entered our world. And now uh, he took the punishment for our sin on the cross. So all who believe, all who accept what he's done to take away our sins on the cross and give their life to follow him as Lord, All who do that, their sins are taken away. They no longer have to pay for for their sins. Those who have made that decision don't get what they deserve, condemnation. But they're given what they haven't earned, which is grace from God. This is the story of the Bible. By God's grace, Jesus has taken away the sins of the world. I don't have to pay for my sin any longer. Here's a passage I read a a couple of weeks ago as I was thinking about this message. And it shows why Jesus lived here and what we should be thinking about as we live ourselves. And it really spoke to me. Uh, 1 Peter 1, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. We're, we're ransomed, we're, we're made clean, we're forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ, by his blood shed on our behalf. He took the punishment we deserved. There are two major implications for the life of a Christ follower of this passage, of this fact that he's the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. First one, If you follow Jesus, you don't have to spend your days trying to crawl out of a hole of guilt and shame. You don't have to live tied up in a knot over the wrong you've done, over the past, trying to crawl out of a hole that you feel like you've dug before God. Jesus took your sins away, so stop beating yourself up. That's the message of this verse. Stay focused on the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Second, if you're a Christ follower, you have a mission to help others find the forgiveness and freedom that you have. This now becomes 
a major purpose in your life. If you follow Christ, his mission is your mission, and it brings purpose to every aspect of your life. Jesus said his mission was to seek and to save that which was lost. And what he's referring to is those who are lost to God. This is why he came. He came to seek and to save the people who are lost. And now, in this world, he works through his people to connect with those around them, to, to love them, to serve them, and to help them understand who he really is. This, his mission is our mission. Those who follow him. If I'm his people, this is my mission. To help connect others to the living God through Jesus Christ. I'd like to show you a clip from the movie The Emperor's Club. Uh, it's a teacher who is at a very exclusive prep school. And all the boys in his classes are from very powerful families, or at least most of them. And he's talking with them about accomplishment. He's talking about the purpose of life with them. And I'd like to listen in on what he says. Let's listen to him. Your name, sir? Uh, Robert Brewster, sir. Very good. And you? Deepak Mehta, sir. And your name? Eugene Field, sir. Field. And you? Martin Bly, sir. Is that a question? Uh, no, sir. Uh, my name is Martin Bly, sir. Very good. You all know your own names. Question is, do I? Mr. Blythe. Me, sir? Yes, you. Now, Mr. Field to your right, or Mr. Gray to your left, or Mr. Diebel behind you. You, sir. Will you do me a favor and walk to the back of this classroom and read for us the plaque which you see hanging over that door? I'm Shutruk Nuhunte. Very good. A little louder, please. Yes, sir. I am Shutruk Nuhunte, king of Anshans and Susa, sovereign of the land of Alam. I destroyed Sipar and took the stela of Naran. Steel? Took the steel of Naran Sin and brought it back to Alam, where I erected it as an offering to my god. Shutruk Nuhunte, 1158 B.C. Well done, Mr. Blythe. Thank you. You may be seated. Shutruk Nahunti. Is anyone familiar with this fellow? Texts are permissible. But you won't find it there. Shutruk Nahunti. King. Sovereign of the land of Elam. Destroyer of Sippar. Behold, his accomplishments cannot be found in any history book. Why? Because great ambition and conquest without contribution is without significance. What will your contribution be? How will history remember you? Shutruk Nuhunte, utterly forgotten. Unlike the great men you see around you, Aristotle, Caesar, Augustus, Plato, Cicero, Socrates, giants of history, men of profound character, Men whose accomplishments surpass their own lifetime and survive 
even into our own. Their story is our story. So this, this teacher is bringing up a really good point. What kind of legacy are you going to leave? What kind of difference are you going to make in this world? What strikes me is how he motivates his students by tapping into their desire to do something significant. We want this. Good people want to do something significant with their lives. And he points to a forgotten person in history, whom I'm not going to try to say the name, because I didn't pay attention that closely. Um, But we as Christ followers, we have an opportunity to, to make a difference, not only in this life, but the difference we can make stretches on through eternity, stretches out, carries out beyond this life. If we serve Jesus' mission, our lives have a lasting impact here that carries on throughout eternity. If we help people decide to follow Christ, their eternal destiny is changed the moment they choose that. So, a Christ follower's mission in life is to know God and do his work on earth. In Philippians 3, the Apostle Paul, who wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament, lists his accomplishments, and he, he lists, here he lists his accomplishments in religion and uh, just his pedigree from his upbringing and the family he was born into, but also at other places he talks about his education, so we're going to look at those. But let's read Philippians 3, 4 through 6 first. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness, under the law blameless. Now, these these accomplishments, they don't translate very well into our world. (laughs) We don't quite understand what he's talking about. We don't have the same grid that the folks he was writing to would have for understanding how much he had accomplished in in his life. In another place, as far as education, he says, I've been educated at the best schools. He went to the most powerful prep schools. He went to the Harvard of his day in his world. He, he was from a power family. That's the reference to Benjamin, the Hebrew of Hebrews, an elite family. He was from a very influential uh, place. And in the realm of religion, he was a Pharisee. In his world, the equivalent of a chef getting a three-star Michelin rating or becoming a powerful CEO in the business realm. In the next few verses, he compares the value of those kinds of accomplishments to knowing Christ. Listen to what he says, verse 7 through 9. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss. For the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ 
and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Paul says in comparison to the value of knowing Christ, my great accomplishments, my earthly accomplishments are like trash in comparison. Skipping a few few verses ahead, he says in 12 and 14 through 14, "Not, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Here's the gist of what Paul's saying in this passage. He's saying, I have a mission to live in this life that motivates me to get out of bed in the morning and go to work and serve my family and do all the things that I normally do. It elevates all the stuff I do day to day to a whole nother level. It's, it's a different kind of life I live. I'm not going to let my past hold me back. That's what he's saying in 12 through 14. Jesus has taken my sins away. So I forget what lies behind, the good and the bad. And I focus on the here and now, what I can do today to love and serve the people that, are, that God has put in my life. I'm not in a hole with God. I don't need to try to crawl out of the hole of guilt and shame that I feel. I can focus on the purpose God's given me to live for, which is so important that I need to let my sin go and not let the past be a drag on me. If we don't live God's forgiveness... We spend our time religiously trying to crawl out of that hole. It's a waste of time for a Christ follower. You've been forgiven. What a waste. Because Jesus has reached down and lifted us out of that hole. We can hit the day running for him. This shapes all my efforts in every arena of life as a Christ follower. Paul says this, I press on toward the goal For the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This means that we do what we normally do. We get up, maybe have breakfast with the family, get the kids ready for school, get ready ourselves, whatever we do. We go to work. We come home from work. We carry out, maybe get together with some friends, do the rest of the evening with the family. Whatever we normally do... We do it as Christ followers with our mission in mind. This this is our purpose in life. So we relate to our families. We go to work. We have friends over. We go out with them. We meet new people. And we do it all with the upward call of God in, in our minds, on our hearts, trying to accomplish God's purpose for us. We handle all our responsibilities at work. We relate to our family our friends and our co-workers in a way with, with the aim of helping them either want to follow Christ in the first place or know him better as a result of relating to us. 
and being encouraged to deepen in their commitment to him. Our skills and accomplishments can be useful in God's hands. Useful in the fact that we, we become bridges to a whole group of people that they can come to know God as they walk over those bridges. Like, like this is my picture. God drops you into your family, sort of like a paratrooper. I don't know if that resonates with you or not. But, you know, he puts you in your family. He puts you at your workplace. He puts you in your neighborhood. He puts you in your circle of friends for a purpose. You have a mission. And so the way you do it, it, it picks it adds some zip, a little spring to your step in what you do and why you do it and the way you go about it. He puts us there. And if you and I grow in our walk with the Lord and we take on his character more and more, we shine like stars. And there's a warmth that we give off. That's attractive. People are attracted to the God we serve, the one we know, because of the way we love them and relate to them. We live every day in this larger framework with eternal dimensions. This is why God put us here. This is why we live. In family life, we change diapers, we eat meals together, we do chores and other activities. But my mission focuses my attitudes, my words, and my actions on a higher purpose. If I'm a parent, I want my kids to know Christ. And so I parent him with this mission in mind. So I train them and relate to them in a way that they'll want to follow Christ. I relate to my extended family with the same thing in mind. My main mission means that I connect with them, always keeping in mind that I want to leave a good impression on the God I serve, of the God I serve. So I, I relate to them in a way that hopefully makes them want to know Jesus better. This, this is part of why I live. I may be single, but I, I can connect to nieces and nephews and cousins and others aunts and uncles, and become a bridge for them to know Christ better or to know him in the first place if they don't. So this, my mission impacts the way I go about every aspect of my life. It's the same in my circle of friends. I have a bigger goal in mind that guides my words and actions because I want to be an encouragement to others in knowing Christ we're in deepening in their commitment to him. At work, I aim to build my career. I want to I want to grow my career. I want promotions. I want to do well. But at the heart of it, I do it in a way that makes God look good, that reflects well on him because I bear his name. I'm a follower of Christ. People people hopefully know this. And so I live and I work in a way that what I do and say leaves a good impression on the God I, I know. This adds so much zip to my everyday life. This, this is where the buzz comes from <laughs> for living life. A Christ follower lives for more than just the here and now. We do what we'd normally do. 
But we live for so much more beyond that. Our mission allows us to build a life that will last in the here and now, but the impact of that life can stretch through eternity. We can leave a legacy that moves on through eternity. As I wrap up this morning, I'd like to encourage you to think through a way to respond personally uh, to this message. There may be a next step that you want to take. I've suggested some next steps here uh, that you can consider taking today. Uh, The first one is stop looking back and refuse to let the past hold me back from knowing Christ better, from following him, from doing what he's laid on my heart. The second step would be to seek to better serve God's purpose for me in the following arena. As I've been speaking, maybe a specific arena of life came to mind where you want to focus on the mission and live it out in that arena and do better at that. could be your family, the arena of family, work, your neighborhood, or your friend circle. This could mean changing my attitudes, choosing more constructive words, or doing more loving actions. It could mean inviting family and friends to church. Or helping them get involved in activities so they'll get around other Christ followers who will encourage them to know him. You may have your own ideas. God may have brought some things to mind on how to apply this message to an arena of life. Let's ask the Lord for power to take the steps he's laid on our hearts today. Father, we thank you for your kindness to us. Thank you, God, for the purpose you add to life. We're here for you. We exist for your mission and your purpose, those of us who've decided to follow you. And I pray, dear God, that you'd help us to live today in light of eternity. Help us to keep heaven in mind, to be free from the fear of death, to be free from the anxiety of the here and now, and to choose to walk by faith knowing that you've forgiven and freed us from the fear of death. We honor you and we thank you for what you've done. We ask your blessing on this day in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.